Hi everyone, it's Nanda here and today I've got someone very special for me to introduce to you all. Um, his name's Steve, he's from um, Australia and he's coming to you live from Australia today. And um, it's funny actually, when we met, I was, um, I was, we were on the phone chatting about um, some things you're going to hear about shortly and we realised that he actually had a connection to Shamrock 5, the day class I sailed on, which was just a really funny outside um, connection to yachting that Steve has. It's about the only one. Um, but yeah, um, so we were destined to meet somehow. But um, Steve, introduce yourself. Say hi and who are you? What do you do? Hey there, Amanda. Um, so yeah, Steve Trebek here. Um, geez, what do I do? Um, lots. So Insight Connection, I think, is one of... Um, the things that um, that resonates the deepest, and that's with a lot of my work through uh, photography, filmmaking, um, and I think, in particularly with the work that I do with Indigenous people, and um, here in Australia, very very specifically. So, some thirty years of working with very traditional people here in Australia, um, right through. Um, uh, visual arts, uh, managing art centres, performing arts, travelling the world with cross-cultural, collaborative, uh, pro very large projects, uh, performing projects, and then filmmaking through the uh, production of uh, full feature uh, documentaries and more recently working with PBS and Discovery Channel. So that's actually on the ground in some of the most remote and traditional uh, parts of Australia. So it's been uh, very, very rich, very, very diverse, and very informative journey, Amanda. So I was on a, um, an interview before, actually, with uh, Yacht Radio International, and I was explaining some of my history after working in Aboriginal Australia and with um, the mental health issues that are affecting uh, rural and remote people, people that live uh, remotely in general, um, people that are um, often males between 15 and 25. And this is something you've started to incorporate in your work and you've had some, some good ideas around and you're associated with some people in Australia that are really, in my opinion, cutting edge um, in, in terms of um, emotional wellness and mental health research. Um, could you talk to us a little bit about what we've been bonding over and some of the ideas um, we've been discussing in the last few months. Yeah, sure, Amanda. So, um, so to start with, as far as um, some statistics here in Australia, we've got the highest incidence of youth suicide on the planet. Um, it's it's absolutely shocking. Um, so that's true out the top end of Australia, pretty much. I'm also in the Kimberley, so that's on the western side. Um, and um, so, and this is in indigenous communities specifically. And um, and up until colonialism, there was no word for suicide within their cultures. So this is a very new concept um, for them to be um, dealing with uh, young people taking their lives. Um, and um, and of course, the ripple effect in communities is is quite horrendous. Um, and there just seems to be a lot of copycat suicides. Yeah. Um, and, and the proliferation of, of mental health issues that come with that. And um, the work that I've done in this area has been quite extensive. 
um, looking into the mental health issues themselves, what goes on with um, other pressures in people's lives um, with regards to substance abuse, with regards to um, social, social pressures and cultural pressures. So it's been quite extensive, the work that I've, that I've done to, to find out, you know, what, what the lay of the land is and um, and in uh, in communities in Australia, there's a huge amount of what I call white noise or chaos um, that sits in the community that I think is one of the the major contributing factors. And of course, that comes from all of those things that I discussed from before in one way or another. Yeah. And um, so, so how that's being addressed. Um, here in Australia is, um, well, is, is as, as you mentioned, through very dear friends of mine, uh, Justin Berg-Holks um, in Sydney. Um, he's working in areas of mental health first aid. Um, and, um, and his partner, Susan Moylan Coombs, um, a huge amount of um, work with regards to uh, what is it, um, intergenerational trauma and how intergenerational trauma plays itself out um, in people's lives. And it's not just, it's not just the, the issues that come in in one lifetime, it's issues that might have come in three lifetimes ago. And, um, and it's interestingly, it's evidence-based now um, through second generation or research done on second generation Holocaust survivors where they're finding out that those people, uh, the grandchildren of Holocaust survivors, their DNA uh, was actually altered by the stress that their grandparents went through. And what that leaves them with is the propensities to certain mental health issues, to certain health issues. And of course, we've got many, many, many generations of trauma here in Australia with the displacement of people from culture, um, from the land, um, and of course, there's this there's this sort of uh, build up and and carry on effect of uh, this um, uh, trauma that goes on from generation to generation that 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 really does lead into issues like substance abuse, like specific mental health issues, like health issues, and that just gets compounded with bad diets with um, and, um, and with displacement from the land, from culture, and the, the, the chaos that's in their, um, that's in their, their, social, their social settings. It's so interesting because that explains, I mean, for instance, looking at our Western culture, you know, most of our grandparents went to World War I or World War II, or parents or grandparents these days were in Vietnam, um, Korea, the Falklands. And so, you know, as Holocaust survivors, you know, children and grandchildren of prisoners of war and people that went to war and experienced post-traumatic stress and many of um, our peers that were in you know, the Gulf and Afghanistan and it, it shows what uh, it could be easily happening is our DNA and our, um, it's imprinted on it. And, and those are the stories, you know. I know personally I grew up terrified of war waiting for World War Three, And one of the reasons I chose to be a nurse was that it is preparing myself for a good career in war because we were so sure there would be a war 
and you know that we would a world war that we'd be involved in and it's a really interesting concept that so you know in the last interview I had they were asking me why I thought it was more prevalent in society today and that that's just an amazing um amazing theory really isn't it well, it is, it is an amazing theory and, and, and I think what's really powerful about it is that it identifies a condition and once a condition is identified, you can then start doing something about it. Um, so, you know, here in, in Indigenous Australia, you've got, yes, mental health issues that have um, individual impact and then you've got the social issues as well. And so, I, and so part of my work is identifying what's going on in social areas as far as the condition itself. Once the condition is identified, you can start realizing you, well, you've, you, you have self-awareness, whether it be a social awareness within a whole society of people or an individual person having self-awareness. And once you've got that self-awareness, you can start working with it as information and of course, that's the beginning to uh, the beginning pathway to to healing, and so um, it's um, and and I guess it leads on to a, a project that I that I have actually initiated. It's a it's actually an indigenously determined project in Arnhem Land called New Beginnings, um, that started with uh, a very very unfortunate. Well, all suicides are terribly unfortunate, but this one, in that um, the the trigger was so so tiny in 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 our world of understanding mental health and triggers but for this young man was enough for him to go and hang himself and um some elder people from his community got in touch with me and just said steve we desperately desperately need help um can you help us get out of jail that was their words um the jail being the constraints um, of the conditions that they are in, so the pressure that comes individually, socially, and culturally, and um, and so this project has has built from that um, from the trigger of that uh, that man's suicide into quite a well-established, um, uh, I guess, uh, yeah, quite a well-established uh, proposal now to to move into uh, an actuality. And yeah, could you just go into that a little bit deeper, like what the proposal is and how it could look and how maybe the people watching today could get involved if this is something that interests yeah. them? Because when I started yeah. hearing these stories, it, it stirred something deep inside me. I was like, oh my God, I, I need to be involved in this. You know, this is... Yeah, yeah, cool. So Yuta Dukar, New Beginnings, that's the Yongomata language uh, translation to New Beginnings is a health, social and cultural symposium. And it's about bringing together some 80 leaders and elders from right across Arnhem Land. And for those that don't know, Arnhem Land is one of the most traditional parts of Australia. So it's the most, one of the most protected parts um, where, where, where culturally there are still three month ceremony cycles going on. So, um, the people speak uh, their traditional languages, so languages that have been spoken for some tens of thousands of years, and their cultural practices that are still being um, put in place, um, again, many tens of thousands of years um, in, in, a, in a, an extraordinarily refined means of connecting with and seeing the world. And so 
getting back to the project. Um, we're looking at about 80 people coming together in a very, very remote part of Australia um, where they themselves sit down to identify the condition within which they live um, without any Western influence, without any, um, excuse me, anthropologists, archaeologists, psychologists, doctors from our Western world poking an eye into that meeting. Um, it's just Aboriginal people sharing the conditions, the hardships that they carry, um, the problems that they have um, now, right in this very moment, on an individual level and a social level and a cultural level. And for all of the three, so for three days, they, they get to share these, all of these things. Um, what is the pressures from their perspective with regards to mental health, diet, um, correctional services, and how that's being dealt with externally by the Western, by our Western world or the colonialist world, uh, their land, their, their land maintenance practices that are happening through the, the ranger groups, um, and the mining, uh, so the land use practices. So there's a, there's a huge amount going on in that area. Um, but there's always someone sort of telling them what their problems are. There's always someone projecting into their world, diagnosing them for who they think they are from our very, very Western perspective. So coming from their perspective now and having this whole event recorded and then transcribed and then all of that information offered up to the government and the non-government service providers in Arnhem Land so that those services can be then improved and expanded based on that information. And it's not so much about stopping anything or, um, or disrespecting anything, it's about complementing um, what's going on, identifying the condition and doing what can be done to improve it. Um, and of course the condition is all of the, the amazing, amazing work that the Australian government and non-government organisations are doing um, in, in all of those areas of, like I said, health, mental health, um, land maintenance practice, um, correctional services, um, and opening up um, how the traditional indigenous skill sets might be able to address some of these contemporary problems. Um, and, it's a, and, it's a, and it's a trick because you've got these indigenous people who, are, who have all of this incredible embodied wisdom and it's about teasing that embodied wisdom out in a place where, where it is, um, where is it applicable to a very, very modern world and modern world problems and issues. And, um, and so I see a lot of solutions um, coming out of new beginnings through this process of bringing the richness of knowledge and understanding and connection um, out into a more of a contemporary means of of addressing things for themselves so very much a, a process of empowerment and um and giving them a very very solid voice um so yeah that's that's um it's kind of the, the the project in essence that's amazing so what would be um what would be the benefits of someone applying to come to new beginnings or finding a way to get involved you know, so we're in a very 
it, it's interesting because we're um, in a similar but very different role. We're in a world of a lot of abundance here, um, a lot of wealth. Um, however, we're still remote. We've still got YouTube and yeah. Um, and we, um, I believe together we rise, you know, the more we can get the, all the, you know, people from different facets together, you know, world leaders, tribal members, you know, um, everyday people from different walks of life together. I think there's great benefits in there. What, what, how would you, um, how would, what do you think could really, if you could sum it up in like one tagline, one sentence, what do you think people could really get from this experience or, or following the course? Well, for me, it's bringing that wealth together. So you've got, you've got that incredible wealth that you've got over there. And then you've got indigenous people and the incredible wealth that they have and their wealth. And it's, and it's a wealth of two very, very different kinds. Now to bring them together, um, which, there's there's this incredibly rich um, entanglement of information of of potential with regards to how that information and benefit can come to the world. I do believe that traditional Indigenous people have keys to our survival. Yeah. Um, we've got a seventy to ninety percent collapse of of um, of animal species of fauna species right across the planet right now. And you've got indigenous groups like those groups, like these groups in Australia that have been in, in practice, in, in deep connected practice with, with nature for some tens of thousands of years. And so there's something key in that, in the way that they, um, in the way that they, um, that they see, they see the world, maintain and sustain the world. So again, <laughs> man has disappeared the coming together of that wealth um, to bring uh, a new beginning, a new way of uh, enriching the world through, um, through new beginnings as a, as a project and then further to that into a lot of other um, discussions that I've had, particularly with yourself, with Justin, with Susan, um, as far as a legacy and things like a, a wealth and well-being, sorry, a health and well-being festival in Arnhem Land itself um, with um, uh, a huge interface between this ancient, ancient culture um, through its, um, through what it can bring to us in the Western world with regards to our own health um, and um, in, in uh, their, their food, their food cultures, their, their amazing textiles, their dance, their songs, um, and the, and primarily just this incredibly in-depth in -depth expression um, and its connection with uh, with nature. Amazing. So, um, how do people follow you, your work, um, Justin, those guys? If people are listening to this, thinking this really lights me up. Wow, I've never, you know, I, I've never considered this kind of festival before or symposium, but oh my God, I'd like to be on the cutting edge of this movement yeah. um, or that you're a really interesting guy. I know you're about to go off and um, work with some tribal elders from all around the world and you've got some great ideas and you're going around to round up some world leaders to be involved in, you know, symposium. 
How do they follow you? How do they follow this movement? Well, look, um, <laughs> it's not that hard. So, it, and, it, and I think it starts with, with you and I, Amanda, and the small network, well, this, this, this little um, meeting that we're having now. So getting in touch with either Amanda or myself, um, there'll, be, there'll be links associated with this little blog that we're doing now. And um, I do have a, a Facebook page. Um, and if people are inspired to get involved, please just get in touch. Um, there is a lot to be done. I'll just share a little story, a very, very shocking story for me that happened um, when I presented this project to the, um, to the Aboriginal Health Minister in the Northern Territory a while back. Um, after I went and presented it to the minister, I went around to, um, to, um, to visit some friends, some Aboriginal friends in Darwin. And um, there was this one dear old man, Peter, um, who I'd been involved with uh, a full feature movie that I produced. And I sat down next to him and I hadn't seen him for a number of years. And, and it was just this beautiful connection, new connection again. And, um, and he looked at me and he said, Steve, what are you up to these days? And I shared with him that I'm um, working on this project, New Beginnings, um, that's about mental health and suicide prevention and domestic violence pre prevention and, um, and, and all of the other things that I've shared with you so far. Now, the response from this old man was shocking. He started beating on me. His face just went to fear and he's there swinging at me like this and I'm there sort of, he's a, he was an elderly man and I was able to protect myself from, from his attack and I just moved away from him and, and calmed him down. And he's there screaming at me going, Steve, where were you 10 years ago? Why weren't you doing this 10 years ago? Because we've lost so many, so many people in that time. And I never in my wildest dreams would have, would have, thought that that would have been the kind of way that this work would have been received and so that just demonstrates how important this work is that there are you know like I said there are there are people being lost in north of the, in the north of Australia um, daily and weekly to suicide um, and these are valuable people the the, um, the, the richness of wisdom that, that is expressing through these people uh, are assets to the whole world. Um, so I invite you to come and be part of, of building those assets and those young people, those elderly people, so we can strengthen their voice, um, strengthen their resolve so they can be happier in their world and share more of what they have to share with us. So. That's the invitation, Amanda. Thank you. Thank you. And um, I'm sure there's going to be a couple of people listening that want to step into what I call wild leadership. Um, you know, take their, their role as leaders, um, not just from the, in the workplace, but, you know, in the world as, as parents, as um, heads of departments, as heads of companies, as um, global citizens. You know that yes. in this world that's so dynamic and international and globally minded that we can we can, we can do something you know to come together and, and make a change and and um, and together we rise. Indeed, we do. Yeah.
Thanks so much. Um, we're going to put some of your links at the bottom of this video so people can maybe check out some of your beautiful movies. Um, Steve's an incredibly talented filmmaker. Um, and a couple of links to the things we've been talking about. And um, I think we'll probably have another chat like this again in soon when you get back from your travels and find out what awesome. else you found. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thanks, Amanda. It's really, really fabulous connecting in. And um, thank you again. Have a great trip. We'll speak soon. Sure. Yeah. Be calm. Uh, See you, mate. Bye. 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 Bye.